Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, yep. his ice-cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. Welcome to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to I Must Break This Podcast, the fan podcast that takes an in-depth look at the career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. I'm your host, Sean Malloy, and today is a special interview episode where we're discussing the film Female Fight Squad by interviewing not just one, but two individuals heavily involved with the production of the film, martial arts sensation and lead Amy Johnston and the director of the film, Miguel Ferrer. But before we get to the conversations, I wanted to remind you all to please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews, especially those five-star reviews. Those always help. Uh, also, if you're not following the Facebook page for the show, please check it out. I Must Break This Podcast. Here you can stay up to date on the show, the career of Mr. Dolph Lundgren, and the latest news in the world of action cinema in general. So if you're not already following the page, please like it, share it, and continue spreading the word. Uh, also, you can check out the official webpage for the show, imustbreakthispodcast.wordpress.com. Here you can get in contact with me with ideas, suggestions, or thoughts in general. Now, on to today's episode. Uh, today, we're discussing the 2016 martial arts fighting flick, Female Fight Squad. In this film, Amy Johnston kicks major ass as Rebecca, a former fighter who is lured back into the world of underground fighting in order to save her sister. Dolph Lundgren took on a supporting role as Holt, the wrongly imprisoned father of the two sisters who fights his way through the inside as he tries to get back into the lives of his daughters. I let my dad take a fall for a crime he didn't even commit. Ladies and gentlemen, you know the game. You know the rules. No weapons. No dying. Hey, Dad, what's up? Your sister called a couple of days ago. She got me worried. I owe money to some very bad people. Pot's 150K. I'm not gonna fight. I'm not asking you to. Just help me win. If you don't help your sister, Everything we've done will be for nothing. I've got other girls, too. Can they fight? Next. They're going to drag you back to that snake pit. You should just go. It's none of them win. Who's going to pay me back? I'm going to play a little game. I'm going to find your father, and I'm going to kill him. Don't come near my family again. Revenge. Is in the blood. Amy Johnston. Courtney Palm. 
and Dolph Lundgren. We can fix this. This is not revenge. This is justice. Female Fight Squad. The first discussion will be with the lead in the film, Amy Johnston. Johnston is an all-around woman of action, literally. She's an amazingly accomplished martial artist, stunt woman, and actress who's been hard at work in the business since 2010. In our discussion, Johnston and I chat her martial arts training, her workouts, how she approaches stunt work in films, as well as her work doing motion capture in video games. We also chat her first leading role in the Bloodsport reboot Lady Bloodfight, and of course working alongside Dolph in Female Fight Squad. After our conversation is my discussion with Miguel Ferrer, who headed up the directing duties on Female Fight Squad. Uh, Female Fight Squad was Ferrer's first feature-length directing job, and he was gracious enough to take me through his approach to the film and how he managed to balance a story and a cast filled with all the martial arts mayhem and badassery you could possibly imagine. We also discuss his unique visual style in directing films, both feature-length and short, as well as commercials and music videos. It was a pleasure and a privilege getting to speak with both individuals. They are two rising and talented names who I have a feeling we're going to be seeing much more of here in the coming years. Uh, be sure to follow Amy Johnston on Instagram and Twitter, both at Amy E. Johnston. Also, please be sure to check out Miguel Ferrer's website, which is directormiguelferrer.com. Lastly, if you haven't seen it yet, please see Female Fight Squad, which is available on Amazon and iTunes. It's basically the female version of Fight Club, but with even better choreographed martial arts and fight sequences. I do hope you enjoy these discussions as much as I did. So first up is my conversation with the one and only Amy Johnston, followed by my discussion with Miguel Ferrer on I Must Break this podcast. If you could, please, I'm curious. Briefly, you know, take me through your uh, through a typical day. What are your what do your workouts consist of? Because I'm I'm assuming that you uh, get in a workout probably every day, right? I I do try to work out almost every day, and that's just to maintain sanity. <laughs> I enjoy working out and getting a sweat in, um, and it just helps me feel like myself. It's a really good motivator to the day. Good start. A lot of good hormones, um, you know, get released during workouts. So it's just. Um, I try to make it a part of my everyday. Well, the, the the really cool thing that I've noticed during this whole uh, pandemic and quarantine is that a lot of um, a lot of actors and uh, you know stunt you know people in the stunt business, people in the world of action, we'll say, are uh, you know going to social media and YouTube and putting out videos, you know, to uh, how we can stay sane and how we can continue taking care of our bodies and ourselves. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, with me uh, in particular, you know, the, uh, the gym that I go to is, is closed. So as a result, I've kind of been resorting to the internet and I didn't realize it, but man, you can get in an amazing workout using just body weight. So (laughs) that's pretty cool. Yes. Yes, absolutely. If you just uh, stick to it and you do like, even if you do like, 50 squats a day, 50 push-ups, 50 pull-ups if you have a little chin-up bar, 
um, sit-ups, you know, do the basics every day, and that's that's a great workout. We forget the basics sometimes, and I totally agree with you. You can get an awesome workout without the gym. So, so is that basically, you know, your workout? Obviously, you do the, the martial arts and everything, but is it the squats and the push-ups? I'm assuming you also um, have a personal <laughs> gym. Uh, no, I don't have a personal gym right now. I, I work out at a few gyms, but, you know, everything's closed, so I, I don't own one right now. So um, my home is my gym and uh, sometimes a yard if I can, if it's clear, um, or a park. But uh, I, I'm all over the place. I get really bored with workouts. So I will train kicks one day, weapons another day, um, you know, try to do things that I can do in a small space. I've been dancing a lot. I've been doing a lot of, like, online dance classes because those are fun and different, and you don't need too much space. Um, I'm a little all over the place. Um, I do – so I'll run three times a week, three times a week in a park area where there's nobody with a mask, and then I will do uh, – I'll do one day of arms, one day of core, one day of legs, um, and then just another heavy cardio day, and I mix up the things I do for that. So – a little, a little all over the place, trying to keep busy, but lots of, lots of good stuff. Well, your your background is that uh, your dad owned a uh, a martial arts school, right? I imagine this is what obviously got you into uh, into the martial arts and everything. Yes, definitely. Uh, that was that was that was my first home, really. Um, I kind of grew up in a martial arts school. My dad did own a martial arts school um, in a small town in Wyoming called Gillette. And that was really all we had to do there. So my brother and I would be there every day with my dad and other students and my mom, and we would just play. We would stay the night there. It was really how I grew up and where I grew up. So that is definitely how I got into martial arts was from my father. So who were some of your influences growing up other than, other than your father, obviously? Did you watch a ton of action movies and read comic books and whatnot? I did. I didn't get into comic books until probably like, actually, I'd say when I started getting into comic books when the uh, New 52 came out, and then I got into more and more graphic novels now. But originally, I wasn't into comic books. Um, I did watch a ton of action films. Um, I, I, I always uh, make the joke that I, I guess it's not a joke. I'm not very funny. But the fact that I would watch a lot of films like Kung Pao and um, it, funny, weird martial arts movies and a lot of Shaw Brothers films and things from the 80s and all these Hong Kong action films while my other friends were watching Titanic and things like that. And I really didn't catch up on, like, award-winning films until I was much later. But I grew up on, you know, all the Bruce Lee, all uh, Jackie Chan, Donnie Yen. I was obsessed with Michelle Yeoh when she came on the scene of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I mean, that was um, that was my world, a lot of, lot of action films. You had an amazing childhood, I guess we could say, right? <laughs> I mean, hey, we all have our good and bad parts of our childhood. Yeah, nothing's perfect, but uh, yeah, I, my dad was like a big kid, so he was fun, and I, I, I do appreciate that and look back on that. Um, so yeah, I had some fun moments. Well, you know, I have a, uh, I have a daughter at home myself. She's six years old, and you uh-huh. know, it, it's funny. She, she knows very well that when we step into dad's garage. You know, she knows, okay, which one is Arnold Schwarzenegger, which one is Dolph Lundgren, which one is Van Damme, because I have all the posters up and everything. So she, I'd like to think that I'm raising her right. Oh, yes, that's so cool. I love that. (laughs) The the thing that I find um, fascinating about stunt work is I've spoken to a few actors um, over the years who, who do stunts. And like I said, I think it's a fascinating line of work, but everyone always has kind of a different response when I ask them. I'm curious. 
how do you approach doing a stunt, regardless if it's a big stunt, a small stunt? Do you, you know, go into any, you know, any stunt and just say, okay, let's do this, or kind of what are your, uh, how, how do you look at it? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, it is different from stunt to stunt, and that's just mainly um, from movie to movie or game to TV show. It's it's all kind of a little bit of a different process in terms of how much time we have to rehearse and prep things. Um, but my mentality is still the same. Put as much work in as possible so that I'm as confident as I can be. And then from there, I just have to trust myself. So the more rehearsal time, the better. The more time I get to work with, you know, fellow actors or fellow stunt performers um, and really understand the project of what I'm doing, the better. And I can put more of myself and my creativity into it when I understand it more. So it's really kind of different based on whether it's a video game or film TV, especially with video games because, you know, we're not being seen by a camera directly. We have all these cameras around us in a stage that are just capturing our movements. So we can put pads out. We can put, we can jump off of a big platform and land on a pad and they will animate it to look like we fell off a building or something. So we can really protect ourselves. So um, in regards to stunts of motion capture, it's, um, I guess, more playtime than mental focus. There's still mental focus, but it's a little bit different of a process. Overall, um, I say the mentality is, put as much work in as possible and find that confidence. Well, yeah, um, I noticed that you've done uh, quite a lot of stunt work in the world of, of video games. And what's wild about video games is anymore, they've become extremely cinematic in terms of their, their stories and their characters. So, yeah, that, that was, I was going to ask how that world kind of differed, but um, I guess you kind of already answered that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think – so I play a lot of video games, and I – think some of the best storytelling is in games and it, because it's so immersive I think it's the next big form of entertainment to the masses I'm really excited to see where things go um, with video games and it there are quite a bit of differences um, the thing I really like most about motion capture is that you can do acting and stunts at the same time um, so you can be suited up you can do the performance of the body and then you can also um, have like a a face cam on and and do the facial performance and you're getting everything all at once and something that I've always found really difficult in just promoting myself in film and TV is um, being put in a certain box you know that's just what we do naturally as humans um, we put people in boxes so we can understand them and for me in the world of marketing I was always either just a stunt person or an actor or like an action actor it's always this like confusion um, and so you're usually one or the other on, on set. But in motion capture, you get to be kind of just a performer. And I really, really appreciate that. There are no boxes. It's just, can you do this job properly? You're doing it well. Here you go. You can do it all. Um, so I find that really, really uh, a beautiful environment, um, as well as, like, everyone is just amazing. So it's great. Have there been any stunts in your career that uh, that when you went into them, they legitimately freaked you out or – you just go forward with all of them and obviously keep safety in mind. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, nothing ever truly freaks me out. And I've always wondered if that's, um, you know, going to be a bad thing someday. Um, as I've gotten older, I, I'm more aware of this ego and lack of worry. Um, and I've tried to take care of it, but I don't, I don't, 
I guess it goes back to what I was saying prior, the mentality of just trusting myself because I've put all the work in. I know that I've I've worked as hard as I possibly can to get there. And if I haven't, I need to work more. If I'm nervous, it just means that I have to practice more. I have to um, visualize it more. I have to do more to get to that level of confidence. So um, I don't have like a stunt that I felt truly afraid of. Um, But there was one stunt in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, where I was doubling as Scarlett Johansson. And it was a really cool stunt because we were – uh, me and two other stunt performers who were uh, doubling Captain America and uh, Falcon. We fell out of a door on the highway, and it the, the way that they shot it was really incredible and uh, just really, really fun more than anything, but nerve-wracking because I hadn't, like, done this before. So we basically fell out of a car <laughs> onto the onto the highway, uh, the freeway, and uh, we were all like kind of holding onto that door, and we were sliding down a freeway. We went off a jump to get air, um, to get a nice shot when we landed, and then as we slid, um, we were literally sliding on a corridor, car door on the highway, on the freeway, um, and there were like cars exploding around us and in front of us, and um, that was something totally new that I hadn't done, so that, that was a very memorable, very memorable one to me, and I was also very, very sick that day. So uh, I guess I guess I would feel the most emotions towards that one uh, as far as like nervous or scared, but still not yeah. scared, but my closest thing to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, out of all the, uh, you know, I'm not as up on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as I'd like to be, but I, I would say that out of all of um out of all those films that come out of that, that wheelhouse or that genre or whatever, um, Winter Soldier, I'd say, is easily the best. Um, not just in terms of its story, but in terms of its action sequences as well. I agree too, and and I'm I'm a little biased, but I think it was so well done, and I think um, the credit goes to the Russo brothers because they really allowed the stunt team to do what we do best. A lot of times, um, you know, the stunt team will create previses and fights, and then we send it to the director, the producers. We say, here's this. What do you want us to change? Most of the time, the Russo brothers was like, this is great. We're doing this exactly, and we're shooting it like this. So they really just went with what we wanted to do and we had all the freedom to do what we do best and they shot it perfectly. It was, I, I agree with you. Now, Lady Bloodfight, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was your first leading role in a film, right? It was, yeah. I got to say, <laughs> Lady Bloodfight is such a badass movie. I mean, and it, it seems like the role in the film in general was, was tailor-made for you. Is that right or no? Oh, thanks for watching it. That's awesome. I love when people watch it. <laughs> I love hearing about it. Um, uh, no, no, the the film was written. I the film film script was written before I came on and auditioned and everything. But I they probably did like arrange certain things that changed the script as we went forward. I got um to have my say in a few areas of the film, which I you know hadn't been used to before. Um, but being the lead actress, you can, like, have a little bit more pull. So um, to answer your question, no, but I did get, get to add little little bits of me, I suppose. Well, I love it because, I mean, it's essentially a uh, a remake of, of Bloodsport. And, I mean, Bloodsport yes. was one of my favorites growing up. I'm assuming you obviously were a fan of, uh, of Bloodsport and Jean-Claude Van Damme's work, right? Heck, yeah. So yeah. I was I was freaking out initially when they called me for this um because it was initially called Lady Bloodsport, 
Um, and the idea was it was supposed to be, you know, a female remake of that movie. And obviously we couldn't do that title, but um, there's a few things in the movie that kind of um, are supposed to be the idea of, you know, blood sport. Like my father would have, you know, technically been Jean-Claude Van Damme. There's a few little things that we try to tie together. Um, so, yeah, I love blood sport, too. And um, I love all those types of movies. So it was cool. Well, now tell me about working on uh female fight squad uh i'm curious because i know that that film uh had a director and this was also his first feature-length film uh directing uh, but you also had dolph lundgren in your corner who is also yeah. a veteran of the action genre what uh what was that project like that was freaking awesome to have dolph lundgren on the film uh he was on the film before me i i got cast after i think they had actually already shot a few scenes of him um uh the whole process in general was really cool the director was great um, I unfortunately only had one scene with Dolph, and it was so short. And um, you know, I had looked up to him for a while because you know he's 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 pretty well known in the action world. And uh, we just had a scene where he was holding pads for me, and I got to like punch and kick a little bit. And then just one scene at the end of the film. I wish I had more <laughs> scenes with him, but he was great. He was so professional, um, really easy to work with, and the the film was cool. It was. Um, I had a little break after Lady Blood Fight, and then we kind of started filming Female Fight Squad pretty shortly after that. Um, and the process between Lady Blood Fight and um, Female Fight Squad were pretty different because Lady Blood Fight was in Hong Kong. And this film with Dolph was filmed in Los Angeles, well, my parts were. And so, you know, just the way of doing things with action, and um, obviously the directors were different. It was quite a different process, but very fun. I had a blast on that film. And uh, yeah, it was cool working with Dolph. Well, I'm curious. I mean, you know, you already kind of said growing up watching a lot of these action films, but obviously I'm assuming you also uh, <laughs> had seen some of his uh, previous work like Universal Soldier and The Punisher. Yeah. Were, you raised, were you raised on his work as well? Yes, of course. And then also in, in you know, Rocky film, uh, Rocky IV. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I was nervous. Like, I, I don't really get nervous around actors, but it's these people that I grew up watching that I get a little nervous from. And he's tall, you know, he was tall and in shape. And um, I was a little nervous, um, especially having to, like, punch and kick pads for him, like, with him. I was like, oh, God, Amy, don't mess this up. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely uh, definitely knew of him pretty well. Well, and I also noticed uh... – that you started your own uh, YouTube series. I, I love the YouTube series that you were doing, um, Hero Training. I think it's such a great concept with some, you know, real excellent insight into the business. Um, have you looked at revisiting uh, th those videos and uh, doing more of those? Thank you so much. Yeah, I've actually, um, yeah, I'll just tell you, I've been trying to pitch it as a, a series. Um, so I have, like, everything put together, and I have a few people interested, and I've, for the longest time, my whole plan was to go around the world and learn from different people that are in the action world and learn how they train and what they're really doing and, like, the the mental work that they do and how they eat and how they perform. And, like, I always wanted it to be on a big scale, travel around the world, see their environment, see what they do, how they do it. Um, but I couldn't wait, and so I did it on YouTube and in my own way, you know, edited it, edited it myself and filmed it myself except for one episode and so it wasn't where I wanted it to be, but I am happy I did it. And now I'm just working on um, making it much bigger. And, and I hope that actually I will make it one way or another. It's just depending on how it works or which way it goes, but it will happen. 
Yeah, I mean, that seems like, I mean, I mean it's, it's such a cool concept. I mean, but that seems like something that uh, I, I, would, I would imagine Netflix would snatch up in a heartbeat. Yeah, there's a lot of places right now. It's just, um, it's, it's rough finding, uh, finding the right place because a lot of places want to take more control than others or they want to change everything. It's this whole roundabout um, time-consuming thing pitching shows. Like I've, there's a show that is still being pitched that I'm a part of from five years ago that still hasn't found the right home. So it's like it could just be such a long process. So um, if it takes too long, I'm just going to find a way to do it myself. So it will get done. I imagine that you now have your own fan base of, uh, of young adults who are looking up to you, especially uh, young women, you know, who are, you know, looking at you with uh, admiration and respect. I mean, you are now a, uh, a full-fledged role model. I mean, that, that, that's got to feel pretty rewarding. It feels amazing. I really have days where I'm stressed out of, like everyone, obviously, and we don't feel like we're enough. And, you know, I feel like I can be doing so much more or that I didn't do enough. And when I receive these messages of women looking up to me or men, anybody, it's really like, it really fires me up and keeps me moving. It, it's honestly one of my biggest motivators these days is to, you know, be that role model as much as possible and make all those right moves for women coming up, men coming up to, you know, find themselves in me and, um, just like I found myself in Michelle Yeoh, that was my motivator to doing what I'm doing besides my dad. That was the moment I saw her in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon because of her her strength and her beauty at the same time, I think, is what I want to keep pushing. And so really to answer your question, it's like the most gratifying thing ever, and I hope to continue as much as possible. Are you uh, Are you looking at uh, branching out and you know, working in other areas of film, whether it be in other genres or maybe even directing? Has, uh, has, has any of those opportunities come your way or are you seeking them out? Yeah, definitely. I love film, you know, in general. And um, I love photography. I film and edit as it is. And I film a lot of previses for um, films. And like I did a lot of previses for Captain America Winter Soldier. You know, I, I love being behind the camera. I love telling stories. I write and um, I'm all over it, so it's just uh, a matter of time. Um, there's only so much time in a day, so I try to prioritize um, what I should be doing or what I think I should be doing at the moment, and um, thankfully and not thankfully, we have had a lot of time lately, so I have been able to get some of my things done that I've been wanting to do, like a few films, um, scripts that I've written, and um been filming things so yeah I, I love all of it and um i will direct um i've produced a little bit of coordinated um i'm happy to look into all different types of film genres and i'm i'm all about it from what i've seen i i think you're quite funny and i i, I would love to see you in uh in some comedies so uh hopefully that's something that you're looking into Thank you. I think I'm quite awkward, so I appreciate you saying that. Um, I uh, yeah, the the number one thing for me right now is action comedy. I want I want some good action comedy. So I'm working on creating something for that. It's funny that you mentioned that. I am. Um, that's really my my uh, vision right now is a good action comedy. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that actually because I was talking about that with a with a buddy the other day. I feel like you know th- there have been a few, but I feel like the really good 
action comedies like what we used to get back in the late 80s and early 90s, you know, the lethal weapons and all of that, the, the movies yeah. that could, you know, that would have balls-to-the-wall action, but, you know, 10 minutes later would really make you, you know, would, would really be, you know, making you laugh. I feel like those have kind of sadly uh, gone by the wayside. And when they do try and do them, they go either way too far in the slapstick realm or they go yep. way too far into the, you know, darkly comedically violent realm. You know what I mean? And so yes. I would love to see something like that get brought back. So please do. Gosh, I'm working so hard on it, and I really agree with you. I think I think the biggest thing is that it's tough to get seen as an action comedy, especially if you're not a big-name actor. And you, even if you are with a big team behind you, it's kind of tough because you have all these superhero films that are just saturating the market. Um, there's kind of that, and then there's, like, the independent films. And an action comedy um, is kind of hard to get seen. So I, I think that's why they go, like, the dark, intense, uh, dark comedy type thing or um, – really don't know what to do because it's hard to get that attention um hopefully you know people will get tired of superhero films and need some comedy in their lives and and we can uh, get them get get more made but i agree with you so i mean do you well what's next for you are you at liberty to speak about anything that you currently have uh in the can or anything that is uh currently in pre-production or anything yeah, so there's a few things that kind of just shut down, you know. Um, so when I get back to work, I'll be doing some motion capture and a, a few films. And um, it's interesting. I've still been getting some offers during this time for film. So I'm kind of uh, going back and forth with those. And um, uh, I guess the thing I can talk about is a um, a TV pilot that I did called Beyond the Veil. It's a cool sci-fi action piece and um i think that's going to be released in the next like three months so hopefully everyone will get to see that and enjoy that um i gotta play a uh, a human a human mind in an android body um so i got to play with some nice acting moments and uh it'll be fun but besides that uh lots of things i can't talk about because who knows if they're going to continue happening once we get back to working well this has been an absolute treat and whatever whatever you do that does come out i can guarantee you i will be uh first in line uh checking it out whether it's on vod or in theaters or i'm not much of a of a gamer but i think i am gonna um peruse uh many of these games and see what they're like so um (laughs) thank you very much i really appreciate you it was a great conversation and i am sending love to you and your family and your daughter keep uh keep raising her right that's awesome Hey, well, thank you very, very much. I do appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Have a good day. Ready? First of all, uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for uh, taking the time to to chat with a fan today. I, I really do appreciate it, especially in the midst of uh, everything going on in the world today. It's it's pretty crazy out right now. So, uh, no worries, man. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. Well, I mean, and 
<laughs> before we get rolling, I, I have to ask, because I, I don't know if you've ever gotten this before, but um, one thing I have to ask is, Throughout your career, have you ever been mistaken for the late, great character actor Miguel Ferrer from uh, RoboCop? Yeah, several times. Uh, okay. <laughs> I've had ex- I've had uh, funny experiences with executives that um, walk into the lobby and then they don't know where this person is that they're meeting with and uh, they go ask the secretaries and the secretaries like, there he is. And then the, the you know the executives, one of them confessed to me and said, you know, this entire time I thought that I was going to meet with Miguel Ferrer when he was alive, uh, and I was thinking the whole time, why is this you know Miguel Ferrer directing and writing and directing now? <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, and uh, people always ask me if I'm related. Um, depending on the situation, I say yes or no. <laughs> Okay, well now that we now that I got the uh, the name question <laughs> off off the plate, uh, I'm curious. So, if you could please tell me uh, tell me briefly how you broke into the business. What were some of your uh, first uh, first jobs in film? Oof. Uh, um, well, I'm uh, originally from Venezuela, but I moved to Miami when I was 12. I went to high middle school, high school, and college there. During college, I um, uh, I had an interest. Obviously, I was in the in the film program, and I had an interest in music videos. Always loved music videos, and there was this band, a local kind of legendary band called the Spam All Stars, which is an Afro-Cuban funk band. And um, I uh, used to go see them almost every week, and uh, eventually, I had the idea of doing my uh, senior thesis. Uh, as a music video for them, music video short story. And uh, I convinced the manager to let me shoot it and direct it and use all the college equipment and, you know, all the all the labor and all my friends and everybody from the school. And, um, yeah, that was my first, I guess, professional music video that I got paid for. And when I left to LA, uh, two year, two about um, two days after graduation, I packed my bags and I came out here. My first job was with National Geographic. Um, I was a cameraman for uh, a documentary that they were doing in the films division, and I did that for about a year and a half. Uh, and that's uh, really my first true professional gig out here, and. Um, but I didn't want to be a documentarian. I like documentaries, but I didn't want to be a documentarian. So for about a year and a half, I I chased this executive producer that used to go to my that went to my alma mater, um, Mike Robin, who was the EP and 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 main director for shows like The Closer, um, Major Crimes, um, Longmire, and he also did obviously Nip Tuck and. I mean, this guy's uh, one of the giants of television. I kind of chased him for about a year and a half, and finally I got a meeting with him, and he said, you know, how can I help you? And I told him, you know, I'll make you the best Cuban coffee you've ever had in your life every single day here, man. I just want to work with you. And um, (laughs) about two months later, he gave me my first television gig 
on the TV show called Trust Me. I didn't have to make the coffee, but <laughs> um, but I still did it every once in a while as a bonus whenever the EPs would come in. I, I worked in post-production. And I did that for about two years. Um, first on that show, Trust Me, then on Major Crime, then on what used to be The Closer, and then a couple of episodes of Major Crimes. I got an oppor- Then after I got an opportunity to start directing uh, music videos for a small company here in Burbank. And I started doing that, um, independent artist here in L.A., and then I started um, doing it for the labels. The labels kind of got a hold of me, of me, the Latin American labels. And I started doing it for Latin American artists, music videos. And um, that was a great experience, um, working with the labels and also being able to flex that creative muscle inside of the music video concepts. Um, but I didn't really want to be a music video director. So all my concerts were really cinematic and story-driven, not really performance or artist-driven. Uh, so I quickly, once I did everything I needed to do, and I had a, a couple of great artists that gave me the chance and believed in uh, my vision and the concepts that I that I had for them, once I did that, I started moving into commercials um, and uh, mostly working with a, a dear friend and producer, Eric Bernard, uh, in, down in Miami. So I would alternate between Miami and here in L.A., also Mexico, doing uh, commercials, branded. And through that, I got to meet a producer, uh, a line producer, uh, Sonia Maru, who uh, I hired to do a couple of commercials. Uh, for me, and uh, she was the one that uh, that originally got me into the mix when it comes to the movie Female Fight Squad. Okay, well, the the, the thing I've noticed is it seems like uh, quite a few film directors get their start working in the world of music videos. Would you say that you learned quite a few tricks of the trade of filmmaking by uh, working within this world? A hundred percent, because music videos is not the most budget-friendly world uh, to work in, uh, but yet it's still corporate and it still has its uh, corporate demands. So um, you really have to get creative as far as uh, what you can do and how you do it uh, with certain budgets, also with artist schedules. Um, And 100%, I mean, I... When I was doing music videos, I knew that I didn't want to do the, especially in the Latin space. I didn't want, oh, I didn't want to do the usual, you know, two guys out front and eighteen girls in thongs in the background, you know, kind of deal. I didn't want to do that because that's not really what called out to me. So I crafted um, stories that were action-driven, uh, stories that were sci-fi and genre-driven, and um, I had the, the the luck that a few artists um, gave me the opportunity to uh, go ahead and, and uh, explore those things. And, and those artists were rewarded with Video of the Year nominations and, and whatnot because they were doing something different than the rest of the genre. Um, but yeah, music videos is a fantastic uh, platform to experiment. Um so when you get the opportunity to do so, 
even in a small budget, you you can still come up with some really creative and, and beautiful uh, imagery. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I always recommend film director or uh, kids that are starting out to just start shooting and whatever that is, whether it's a narrative, a short film, five minute short film, a 30 second commercial or a four minute music video. Can you tell a story in that time while at the same time uh, adhering to the demands of an artist, sometimes a label and every single time a budgetary demand? So you do all those things and you'll be able to, you know, flex uh, uh, that that craft and that muscle of being a, a director. Well, you know, I, I have to say, looking at Female Fight Squad and then looking at, uh, you know, your music videos and other projects, I, I will say, I think you have a very, um, you have an extremely stylized visual aesthetic. I mean, it's very uh, pleasing to the eye. It's very colorful. The camera is constantly moving and it's very energetic. I'm curious, how would you describe your uh, your visual style? Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, my visual style, um, to me, I mean, I like to tell commercial, uh, I like to tell stories that are commercial that have the most amount of um, reach, um, but also have a, that also have uh, a great uh, lesson, a store, a, a really good story. Um, I don't like to do things that don't serve the story. So as far as the visual style that I have, um, it, I mean, I would, I mean, I, I don't consider it too commercial, but it kind of is. But also, um, I don't, depending on the project, I don't shoot um, and I don't uh, do anything. I don't choose any anything uh, creatively that doesn't serve the story. Um, luckily, I've, I've also had very great creative partners, uh, cinematographers and production designers that are able to grab the the vision that I've had for the story and, and elevate it <clears throat> and put in their own craft. Um, I like to I like to think of myself as well. I like to think of any director, any good director, I believe, can can uh, jump between genres and visual styles. Somebody like Jim Mangold, like James Mangold, uh, who's you know directed thrillers, romantic comedies, um, Oscar Oscar winning uh, dramas, and uh, superhero movies. And if you see his uh, filmography, they're all really amazing. Um, they're all fantastic stories uh, and, and really entertaining. Um, uh, and, and there's also, then there's directors that stick within their uh, genre or I guess their niche, you know, the Nolans, the Camerons, um, which their niche, you know, it's very spectacle, blockbuster um, kind of fair but that have really great lasting stories that transcend genre. That's the most important thing for me, that the story transcends genre. Uh, you can watch a good horror and you come out of it thinking, man, that was a great story, um, regardless. 
the, the genre is just the vehicle. Anyways, I kind of went off on a tangent there about stories. Yeah, no. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, I was, uh, when I was, I was fascinated because I was going through your director's reel and I was looking at all your various um, commercials that you had done. And you had done one, the, the one that stands out to me is, and I, 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 correct me if I don't get the name correct, but it was, uh, is it Lollipop Assassin or it's, it's, it's a Lollipop something, but it's the blonde gal who like lops off all these dudes' heads and then she's yes. walking away. I mean, and it was, I mean, here it is, a commercial that was maybe, I don't know, 20 seconds or, you know, if that even. But the coloring in it and the visuals are just so striking that I'm still, that's the one that I'm still thinking about. Thank you. Thank you. Well, actually, you know what's funny is that the the, the half zombie corpse that's chasing her is Ray Goyos, who played... Um, um, uh, who played uh, the villain in Female Fight Squad. And uh, he's a great friend and a, and a very frequent collaborator. Um, and I remember looking at that take and uh, calling his uh, wife, or his girlfriend at the moment, now his wife, and telling her, man, this is why Ray is so special because even when I call him to play a zombie corpse that's never going to get a close-up on camera, he puts in 100% of his time and talent to make it look amazing. Uh, <laughs> well, you already kind of mentioned it, but uh, let's, let's go to Female Fight Squad. Now, I'm curious, how did this, this particular film come about? Because this was your first feature-length directing job, right? Mm-hmm. The way it came about. This producer that I used to work with, um, a line producer, Sonia Maroon, she was line producing this movie. Um, and she calls me up one day and she says, listen, I'm working with these uh, French producers and there's an independent company. They have a, an action, a female-driven story that requires some, obviously, action sequences. And she gave me kind of like the, the rundown. It's just um, uh, underground, illegal underground fighting in Las Vegas, um, all female. And they need somebody to, to shoot second unit, to shoot the fight sequences. Do you want to do it? And at the moment, I didn't really have any experience shooting fight sequences, but I have done martial arts in the past, and it's something that really um, attracted me. So I said, of course, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So I put a pitch together, and about a day later, I went and I met with these producers, and I pitched them how I was going to do the fight sequences, and I had several examples, and they really liked what I the presentation that I did, and uh, Carl, one of the one of the producers, just said, "Well, why don't you just direct the whole thing?" And I was like, are, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, 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 direct the whole film. And I was like, oh, oh, oh okay. Um, can I read it? Because <laughs> I hadn't read the script at the moment. So they're like, yes, yes, of course, read it, come back tomorrow. So I went home, I read the script. And the script was, um, it needed work. It needed, it needed work. And at this point, they were about they were about eight weeks away from production, so there was no cast, 
national director yet. Um, and I came back to them the next day thinking, you know what, I'm going to put my best foot forward here. And I'm going to tell them what I think is going to be the best possible through line for this story. So I went in there and I said, look, what's really interesting about this concept is, you know, uh, a uh, peaceful woman who's running away from her violent past, past comes back to haunt, to, to knock on her door. She has to go back into this world um, and, and, and kind of get dirty again. And the whole time she's saying, I'm not that person anymore, I'm not that person anymore. And then something happens and she says, okay, now I'm that person. And then the monster comes out. Very much inspired um, subconsciously. And then uh, immediately I realized, wow, this is completely inspired by um, uh, Unforgiven, um, a story of Unforgiven. Um, and so I went in there and I told them the whole thing, thinking that they were going to say, you know, that's great. We love the story. We like the concept. We'll get you on the next one because this one's eight weeks away, and that's just like a huge rewrite, almost like a page one rewrite. But they're, you know, these crazy French producers, and they're like, of course, start writing right now. We love it. Start writing. And I was like, oh, okay. So we start um, the writing process, the rewrite process, <clears throat> and I rewrote, shot, Shot one day, uh, cast, uh, you know, everything. We cast uh, all the pre-production, locations, everything in about eight weeks. And then we started the real principal photography here in L.A. Uh, eight weeks later. So now, at what point did, uh, did Dolph Lundgren become attached? Was he already attached to the project from the get-go? Or was the, uh, was the, the role of Holt? written specifically for him so okay so he was already attached to the project before me okay. before i was in the picture um he was going to play the the father he had a um actually a much larger role in the film but um as i kept on finding out these uh, parameters that i had to fit the the production in um we can only shoot him for one day so then I was, uh, I said, well, if we can only shoot in one day, I need to write scenes that we can shoot in one day. Um, so I kind of uh, reworked his his uh, his uh, character, and I made it based off of him. You know, the fact you know when he says in the in the in the movie, I have a master's in in. Um, and biomedical engineering or or something like that, like that's based on what he actually, you know, his real life. Um, and the fact that he's a super smart guy. Um, so I wrote the role and I adapted it so that it was, so that one, that I can get the best performance out of him, one, and two, so that I could do that in one day, um, which is what we went up to Canada to shoot. We shot with him for one day up in Vancouver. Man, I can't imagine that. I mean, because, I mean, he is, I mean, he's not the lead in the film, but, I mean, I thought he was on set for more than that. But you just had one single day to get his character in the film and shoot his scenes, huh? Yep, yep. He came back later for a pickup of the, the, the stuff that 
the shots of her and him fighting, like kind of training when when he's training her, that uh, those shots were shot um, on a pickup day. But pretty much all his scenes were shot in one day. Well, the great thing, the the great thing about fourteen hours. Wow, uh, <laughs> the, you know the thing that I think is is fun about his role in the film is while, like I said, he's not the lead. He, I mean, Dolph has such a presence in the film that, I mean, you do remember him when he's on screen. But this is clearly Amy Johnston's movie. And I feel like Dolph mm-hmm. is sprinkled in the film just enough to give audiences a little bit of old school action as well as new age action, uh, thanks to Johnson. Yeah, 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 100%, 100%. And, and Dolph was, I mean, you know, um, I had a great experience with Dolph. Um, I went in the day before shooting and into his trailer. Um, He was actually on another movie at the moment. So I went to that production in Vancouver and I went to his trailer and I met him and we started talking about the character and I could feel that he was a little bit um, hesitant to, to open up. Um, and it made sense because I had read and I knew that, you know, Dolph uh, has had a um, uh, uh, an illustrious uh, history, and that sometimes the the people that he works with are not really prepared or don't really protect uh, the performance. So I went in there trying to tell him, you know, and to show him, you know, um, we're ready to do something really really cool here and I'm going to protect your performance. And, and we talked and he was great. And it wasn't until the next day when he showed up, he showed up to set and it was the fight sequence that we, that we were um, uh, going to shoot first. And when he came to set in the, in the factory where we shot it in that basement, I had all the storyboards of the entire fight sequence like pasted on the wall and I had shot a an animatic like a, a an actual the the entire sequence with my phone or with a, with a small camera with the stunt coordinator and and all the stunt guys the day before so I edited the entire scene already and then I showed it to him and he saw this and he and he's that that's the moment where I felt his energy change and he was like oh okay like this is how they did the raid and when he said that I was like okay so that's good it's good that he knows that I'm there for him that we that we knew what we were doing that we were prepared and uh, and we had a great time. I mean, and, and he learned the choreography on set, on the spot. Like the the stunt the stunt coordinator would would uh, show it to him, and he would literally learn it right there and be able to repeat it time and time again. Well, that's got to be quite the compliment to being compared with the raid. I mean, you know, if, yeah. if, I, if I can't think of a, of a more badass action flick to be compared to. I mean, so that that had to be the the ultimate uh, compliment right there, right? 
Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, yeah. 100%. Like, I, I, I was super stoked after that. And not only did he, did he, was he an amazing performer too and, and martial artist, um, but you know, it's, he's, he's a, he's a great collaborator. He also like added things to the, to the choreography and, you know, he was, he was great. And like, and I know that other people have had other experiences with him uh, that I've heard, you know, through the grapevine, but um, I always, I always, question those experiences some sometimes i question those experiences because like well were you really protecting the actor were you really prepared um because that's 100 and and Dolph wants the performance to be good in fact another interesting or another funny story is that when he's doing the, the scene of the phone call when he's um calling her um his um his daughter he um uh, it was next to a train station. And what he's doing, it's, a, it's kind of an emotional scene, you know. So I was kind of talking to him about the beats. And then I hear the train start to go, like the train up, that's about 100 yards away. And it starts to go. So there's this pounding on the tracks. And he, um, and I say, action. And then he picks up the phone, he does the scene, but then the, the pounding keeps on persisting, right? You can hear it, like you, the, the, the mic is picking it up. So then he finishes the scene, he hang, he slams the phone and gets, he got mad. He's like, why did, you know, why did you yell action when you hear the fucking train out there, you know? And so I come up to him and I told him, the reason why I yelled action is because that pounding of the train Ding, 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 the tracks. I'm gonna use that as the soundtrack for this scene because it's like your heartbeat. It's like it's building tension and more tension and more tension and tension and tension. And I'm gonna speed it up and use it in the soundtrack. So use it in the scene. And then he looked at me and he was like, "Oh, oh okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Go, 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 go. Roll, roll, roll." <laughs> That, that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty ingenious uh, of you. To, I mean, because I remember uh, listening to an interview with Christopher Nolan, you know, when he did uh, The Dark Knight Rises and how he did most of that score in The Dark Knight Rises was all done by simple chanting. You know what I mean? And so the fact mm -hmm. that you are making the most of your surroundings to, I mean, because this is an independent film that I'm assuming you guys had a, uh, a fairly limited budget on, and here you are mm -hmm. crafting a score around your surroundings. You know, that, that that's pretty smart. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you all. Uh, I, Chris Nolan is actually, you know, and really all, almost all the directors that, that we know by name, I like to study, but uh, Chris Nolan, I think, is a, an incredibly smart uh, filmmaker as far as the way that he uses, like you said, the environment and a lot of the tricks and the things that I that I pull out of my hat for to create things that look 10 times more expensive are tricks that George Lucas was using 40 years ago and that Nolan uses right now. There's just nobody, nobody really, if you're not, 
if you're not well um, versed on the techniques of using those kinds of things and also being able to recognize that kind of visual and audio language, then, you know, anybody else, if, if you're not, you would have said, okay, stop it. We'll wait for the train. But it's like, no. Like in the prestige, Nolan, when that scene where where, Pe- where Tesla shows um, Hugh Jackman's character uh, all the field full of light bulbs, that scene wasn't supposed to be misty. But when they went to shoot it, there was that mist. And and he could have said, you know what, Let's we can't shoot it because we need to see the background. No, use the mist. And then later, what's funny about it is that later he says that later people would tell him, like, how did you get that mist? How did, what effect did you use? Like, how did you plan that? You know? And it was just a coincidence that he saw and he said, you know what, I'm going to use this. Anyways, not to get into, uh, into the Nolan train now, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, in addition to, uh, to Amy Johnston and Dolph Lundgren, I mean, <clears throat> you also had Chuck Zito on set as well as all of these badass female fighters at any point in, in the filmmaking were were you intimidated at all with all <laughs> with, with what was going on or was it a pretty fun uh, and smooth shoot? No, it was pretty fun and smooth. Um, the girls were great and they're very, um, the, the four or five main girls um, uh, played by uh, um, Amy and Levitran and um, Falake and Courtney and Jeanette Samano, they they were a blast. And not only were they a blast, I mean, it was great because it was this whole thing, you know, where Amy was obviously the most experienced of them all, but then here I am, like, between five women that can all kick my ass um, uh, individually and collectively. And um, and it was just a, it was a fun dynamic, and they were all very different as far as their skill set as an, as actors, and also as far as their uh, physical uh, skill sets. So it was a fantastic experience to be able to work with you know so many different colors, um, and I kind of uh, reworked uh, the characters. Like I already knew Jeanette, so I wrote that character for her. Uh, so I was very happy that I wrote Gabby for her, and I was very happy that she was able to do it because she's usually very busy and booked. Um, <clears throat> and then the rest of the characters came in, and and, um, and and the actresses came in and kind of breathed life into the roles, you know. And they each had their different backstories and their different skill sets. Yeah, Chuck Chuck was Chuck Zito was a funny was a very funny character uh on and off set and uh we had we, we had a good, I had a good time uh, working with him a lot of laughs well obviously you know you're working with the great Amy Johnston who is you know amazing when it comes to martial arts but um did, did you also employ and consult some other talented fighting individuals to help with the choreography or did Amy Johnston pretty much run the show no uh we had two fight choreographers um, yeah, so, okay, so the shoot was split up into two different units, the L.A. unit and the, um, the Vancouver unit, which is where we shot Dolph. 
the the Vancouver unit had uh, Tanay Ogan, I believe is how you pronounce. Um, he did all the choreography for Dolph, for Dolph's scenes. And he is amazing. Like, I am really looking forward to the next time that we work together. And then um, the other the other choreographers here in L.A. Are, are, were Malay King and Johnny Yang. And um, they're really experienced fight, coordinate, fight coordinators and stunt guys here from the community here in L.A. And um, they had a big task ahead of them because they had to put together so many fights um, in very little time. And also with... Um, most of the characters, most of the actresses that we used um, didn't have a st- stunt doubles. <clears throat> In fact, I, see, I believe only one actress had a stunt double. Everybody else did their own stunt. Well, obviously you've proven that uh, you can direct an action film uh, uh, pretty successfully. Would you direct another action film if the opportunity arose? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, I would do things very differently. For example, like, uh, I mean, you, the public sees the movie and, and the movie came out good. And I see it as how, obviously, you know, as the artist, and as a filmmaker, I see all the, all the, the things that, the flaws in it, you know, and what could we could have done better? What, what could have gone smoother? Um, I would definitely do it differently. And, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually dying to do another action film. Um, in fact, the rest of my projects, all my projects that I have on the slate have, um, heavy action in them. Well, that's an excellent segue. I'm curious. I mean, I don't know if you're at liberty to talk about any of them, but, uh, what do you currently work on? Are you able to tell us anything about, uh, your (laughs) upcoming or current projects? Some I can tell you some. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm currently <clears throat> right now. I'm working on. Actually, there's a. Uh, I shot a short film for fun in Miami a couple months ago, and that's being delivered right now. Uh, a horror short film, which is my first uh, foray into horror, and it was just a little bit of an experiment with some friends, and then just it ended up coming out good and um so now the produ- the my, my producer eric Gunnar wants to take it out to festivals and already asking for a feature treatment um and then <clears throat> as far as the bigger projects is really waiting uh, waiting to see what happens with uh, obviously the whole pandemic thing but there's a a really um passion project feature that i that i've been trying to get off the ground called the heart of Amazon based on my dad's life or my dad's adventures in Venezuela. And, um, that's like an action adventure genre piece. Uh, there's also a horror film that I'm attached to and also a, a drama, drama fantasy, uh, called legend hero that I'm attached to. So those kinds of, those, those projects are there. Um, I think the next thing, the immediate next thing I will do is probably another short, another really great short film that I, I've been wanting to get off off my chest. And um, that's about it. And I'm writing something that I can't really talk about, but 
those when you start writing something you know when when you're writing it's uh it's a process you know once you finish it who knows you might do it in five months you might do it in five years but um generally the the idea for me is to just have a slew of projects and I, that are in the pipeline and then figure out which is the best one to do at the moment and the one that people want to do or the one that we think people want to see. Um, and as far as any action stuff, yeah, I would love to do um, amazing action. Like I just saw this movie Ex- Extraction on Netflix. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the action is superb. You know, obviously the um, director was the second unit director and, and stuntman for uh, the Russos. So, but when I see the behind the scenes of what he's doing, literally hanging off cars and jumping off buildings, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's what I would do. Like, I'm 100% able and willing to do those things. Um, a little bit of a daredevil uh, on my in my personal life. <laughs> well, you've already you've already gotten to direct uh, Dolph Lundgren, so perhaps maybe uh, Jean Claude Van Damme or Jason Statham or Chris Hemsworth. I mean, are there any other actors that you'd really like to uh, to work with and collaborate with? I mean, yes, there's a whole a number of actors that I would love to collaborate with. Um, action stars like that, I mean, really, yeah, Jan Club and them would be amazing. Uh, especially after that, you know, after I saw you know, the show Jack Club and Johnson, <clears throat> which I I mourned it when uh, it got canceled. Uh, it wasn't when it wasn't continued, and um, Jason Statham, of course, would be amazing. Um, and as far as um, outside of the action legends, uh, oh, Schwarzenegger, of course, uh, Clint Eastwood would be amazing to work with, um, although you know, he mostly does stuff that he directs, rightfully so. But uh, actors, you know, and like Javier Bardem, um, Will Smith, you know, Tom, I think Tom Cruise, for example, is a ridiculous uh, artist and producer. I mean, nobody pushes the envelope more than that guy. Um, <clears throat> regardless of what people want to say about him and his personal life, professionally, he's really changed the way that uh, blockbusters are uh, handled, especially, obviously, the espionage thriller uh, blockbusters. And, yeah, and I, and, and I wouldn't, and I would love to work again with, you know, Amy and uh, several of the cast members of Female Fight Squad who were just lovely. Courtney Palm was amazing. Sean Brown um, and Ray Goyos as well. Ray stole the show for me <laughs> and it, and I, I i i don't say that because he's my friend um I've, I've heard many other people say that in front of us or in front of me uh that don't know him so i'm really proud of the work he put in there very nice well you should be really proud um like i said i think uh i think and, you know i mean because 
me personally doing the podcast, I've been going through um, Dolph's entire filmography, and you know he has some amazing ones, and he has some kind of middle of the road ones, and then he has some others that you know you could tell were you know were done really on the cheap. But I will say, of the past ten years, I think Female Fight Squad is one that uh, I think easily looks the best. I mean, it it just has a really um, the fight scenes are done extremely well. I mean, and it looks much bigger than I think the, uh, the the budget you were working with would allow. So I think you guys should be very, very proud. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the work that, that, that uh, a lot of the people in the film put together. And, and Dolph, <clears throat> also, when I looked at it, you know, I, I said, man, this is, this is a good performance by him. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he, um, he put it out there. Well, Miguel, this has been an absolute pleasure. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time, uh, you know, in the midst of quarantine and everything to to speak with me today. But um, it's been a pleasure and uh, keep keep working hard because uh, I think you have uh, c- quite a lot to uh, to show people. So uh, thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you for having me on and good luck with the rest of the podcast. Let me know when it's uh, when it's up. All right. Certainly will. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay. All right, you too.